Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Disrupting Privilege, conversations around race and health. Uh, I want to introduce my co-host today, Dr. Robin Jones. Dr. Jones is an obstetrics and gynecological doctor at Rush University Medical Center here in Chicago. Dr. Jones has focused uh, a good portion of her career on some of the key issues facing black and brown women across Chicago. One in particular has been a particular interest and concern for her is infant and maternal mortality and uh, has had an impact across uh, the city of Chicago. Dr. Jones, would you care to say hello today? Good morning, and I'm excited to be here, John, and thank you for including me on this in this wonderful conversation. There's so much to learn, there's so much to do, and I think we have the right people today to have this type of conversation and move this needle forward. Thank you. Uh, as If you've listened to Disrupting Privilege in the past, you know that our goal on this podcast is to establish uh, content, uh, a library of content that will allow advocates in the health equity space across the country to access whether you are an elected official, uh, you're the head of a public department, a public health department, or if you're a healthcare professional or um, running a private foundation, we want to make sure that there is a library of content for people to access to learn from some of the successful efforts and maybe some of the mistakes that have been made along the way uh, as we all learn in this country to try as we're trying to improve health outcomes across zip codes. Uh, we're excited today. We have a, a unique uh um, attendant with us today, actually two. Uh, we have Lisa Harries and Adam Colros, who's joining us. Um, they are with the Illinois Health and Hospital Association. Um, as those of you who know Equal Hope, we were started in 2008 as a collaborative effort. We were launched as the Metropolitan Chicago Breast Cancer Task Force, and we were established to study uh, the, the healthcare landscape as it relates to breast cancer screenings, diagnosis, and treatment, and to introduce protocols to disrupt the system to get to better health outcomes. And we have, over the past 13 years, driven down the mortality rate for black women by about 20 percent uh marking a pretty significant change in the right direction um, and so we we uh, have had a successful run in that arena but what made it what has made it successful is that we were a collaborative effort that we were not tied to any one healthcare institution or any one entity but instead we're working with a multitude of different um, providers and and uh, representatives of in the healthcare industry, uh, and the Illinois Health and Hospital Association is one of the first supporters of Equal Hope and has been a strong proponent of ours since our beginning. So, Lisa and Adam, welcome. And uh, would you share care to share just a little bit about IHA, uh, the role that you play, and um, you know what you're seeing in in uh, the health equity space right now, and, and some of your priorities. Yeah, I'm happy to jump in here. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to have this conversation. I've personally been a big fan of Equal Hope for some time. I think it's been a few years since you and I first connected, John, and got started talking about the exciting work you're doing. Um, but Adam and I are both here from IHA, um, which, as you said, stands for the Illinois Health and Hospital Association, even though there is only one H that <laughs> took me a bit um, to get on board with, that it's IHA, but Health and Hospital Association. And essentially, our role is to advocate on behalf of over 200 hospitals and nearly 50 health systems across the state. So we say we advocate in pursuit of a vision for Illinois healthcare, where all individuals and communities have access to high quality healthcare, the right time and the right setting, and in order to support each person's quest for optimum health. 
So our mission is to strive to be the trusted voice and resource for hospitals as they deliver care to their communities, which I think kind of brings it all together, right? We're, we're here to really represent our Illinois health, hospitals and health systems and, and help them help people live healthier lives. Interesting. Um, Adam, do you have anything to share? I mean, I, you have a unique role. T tell us a little bit about the role that you play with IHA and uh, and if you want to add anything to Lisa's, yeah. I think, rather comprehensive response. Yeah, sure. First off, uh, thanks, John and Dr. Jones, for, for having us. Um, really appreciate this opportunity to kind of share the work that we've been testing and scaling across the state of Illinois. Um, but I've been with, with IHA for a little over 10 years, um, and my focus as the Assistant Vice President of Quality, Safety, and Health Policy has been on quality improvement initiatives. Um, so prior to our equity work at IHA, I was focused on you know falls, readmissions, sepsis, CAUTI, all of the clinical issues, um, and had a unique opportunity to kind of step in um, when we started our Committee on Health Disparities at IHA and say, you know, I really think that we should frame our response to equity uh, as a state association around a quality improvement lens. And we should uh, look at this uh, much like we look at some of the other clinical issues that we're tackling all well knowing that this is even more complex uh, and there's more history and there's more culture and there's more barriers for us to overcome. But if we can have more of a systemic approach to it, uh, that I think we can get further. And so we're really excited about the racial equity and healthcare progress report that we've put together and launched across the state. Um, and that's kind of been our tool uh, that we've been using the last couple of years uh, to help our hospitals uh, FQHCs and other partners across the state kind of get a sense of where they're at within their own equity journeys, yeah. uh, what kind of process measures or steps they can take uh, to continue on a path for more equitable care for folks in their communities. So um, that's what I've been blessed to be doing the last couple of years. And I'm excited to have a, a partner in crime now with Lisa uh, at the table. Yeah, I think, um, well, first, thanks for fully introducing yourself, Adam. I would be remiss if I didn't also do the same and kind of give a little bit of context here. So I am the Assistant Vice President of Health Equity and Policy at IHA. So that is exciting because it is a new role. So I started in January, but this role was created and prioritized um, just by you know, the fact that health equity is a big priority for our hospitals and for our state. So I think it's really saying something that they took the time to put this together. It's a leadership role, which that's not tuned to my own horn. It's more so just saying that they really prioritized this. This needed to have a seat at the table in terms of leadership conversations and what we were doing overall. It wasn't a small body of work. So I was fortunate enough to join IHA, like I said, in January, but Adam already had so much off and running. I think when there's a new role, a new area created, you get a little nervous. You're going to walk in with absolutely nothing to work with, and you're going to have to start from a blank slate. But Adam and many others on the team and in partnership with other folks that we'll talk more about today have really set that foundation for, for both IHA and the state um, to start working on health equity. Fantastic. And I'd like to personally welcome you, Lisa, and Adam, as you're well aware, there in order to discuss, in order to improve quality outcomes, you have to address health equity. Mm -hmm. So we're all on the same page. This is going to be an interesting conversation. And let me start by start this conversation by asking, 
you recently came out, IJ recently came out with a statement on advancing health equity and actually calling out racism as a public health issue. Can you share with us today um, how and why an organization such as IHA focused, decided to focus primarily on, that's focused primarily on advocacy and policy, why they would elevate health equity to being essential in achieving your goals within the Illinois healthcare system? Yeah, definitely. Um, great question. So, We've said pretty firmly a few different times publicly in the boardroom among our hospitals that we know confronting and eliminating racism is essential to achieving that vision that we talked about before. So if we're really going to help all, you know, Illinois residents be able to get access to high quality care in the right time at the right setting in the right way that we know structural racism is a big barrier to that. So I think, you know, to speak to a little bit before my time, but I think we all know what was happening in 2020, right? So after the murder of George Floyd and after seeing COVID-19's clearly disproportional impact on people of color and communities of color, it, it really highlighted the disparities that many of us knew for decades had existed. So as a hospital community, we knew that more could and should be done. So we knew that we had to take bold steps. You know, hospitals are community anchors to enhance our voice and to increase our efforts to address these racial health inequities. So I know Adam mentioned before, um, our IHA board established a permanent standing committee on health disparities in July of 2020. And that's made up of CEOs, presidents, hospital leaders from across the state, really representing all different geographies, types of hospitals, you know, community hospitals, academic medical centers, critical access, safety net, that all have unique challenges within their communities to, to live healthy lives and access care. And they really now steer our work. So the group was later expanded though, because I think CEOs have a lot on their plate, right? Health equity is important to a lot of our CEOs, but they are in charge of just about everything, the PL, staffing, you name it. And we knew that we really needed to go down a step further with that subject matter expertise on health equity. So we created the Health Equity Leaders Work Group, um, another acronym to throw in. We call it the HULA, bringing together those health equity leaders that really span so many spaces. I think what's both a, a challenge but a gift in health equity is that there's not always one type of role that focuses on health equity. We have chief nursing officers. We have um, chief quality officers. We have DEI leads that might sit in human resources. We have community health equity leads like we, we see at Rush, where it's really focused on that community benefit piece and what we can be doing in the community. And those leaders all have different purviews of what health equity means to them. So we took those subject matter experts from each of our hospitals that were on that committee and formed this health equity leaders work group. Um, in fact, one of our co-chairs is Dr. David Ansel, who we know is a close friend of Equal Hope and of everyone on this call today. So he's been co-chairing this work since the start back in early 2020 when, when they got its, its start. Um, but we knew, you know, to do this, both this committee and the work group, all those hospitals really needed to be, you know, examining and revising institutional policies through an equity lens, strengthening partnerships with community-based organizations, and truly figuring out how to build a culture that values and respects all individuals, not only for their own hospitals, but then how can we do that for all hospitals across Illinois, and how can IHA then be that trusted voice to help everyone do that? 
Fantastic. You know, I've often said that in order to, in particular, when we're looking, when in my case, looking at maternal mortality, in order to eliminate preventable mortality, it's going to take a village. We all play a role. We all have an important role and we all need to come together to, to in this case, eliminate preventable mortality, maternal mortality. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've talked about the vision, but we all know that in order to achieve or arrive at that vision, the hospitals need tools. It's Mm -hmm. not, they need tools, they need resources. And it sounds like they're on board, but what tools and resources have you supplied or have you advocated for, for the hospitals? Well, yeah, yeah, great question. And I think this is actually a great time to kick things over to Adam. So, you know, I will just say that we know that this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Um, It's going to take a long time to realize that vision. And I think once we we realize it, there'll still be more work to do. Once we think we realize it, we'll figure out there's still more to do. Um, But we know that, to your point, people need help, right? I think there's a lot of well-intentioned people out there, especially in hospitals. Everyone gets into healthcare to help other people. But I think sometimes people just need to know where to get started or, or where to look. So like I said before, I was lucky enough to join IHA when things were already rolling. Um, Adam mentioned the Racial Equity and Healthcare Progress Report. So I'll kick it over to him uh, to tell us a bit more about that. Should I be nervous? Because when I hear progress report, it takes me back to elementary and high school. (laughs) (laughs) This one's kind. This one's kind. We probably have opportunity to tweak the semantics a little. Okay. But, uh, is, no, before I get into that, that that's a really important point because, you know, one of the things as a foundational principle of, of that we kept in mind when we were building this assessment, it's really assessment, a self-assessment. We wanted to ensure that for hospitals, this didn't turn into uh, an, another leapfrog report or a hospital report card act or something that was going to, you know, grade folks uh, from A to F and then be out there in the media. We wanted this to be something, again, um, in that foundational component of like a quality improvement tool, a gap analysis, an environmental scan. Um, and so Lisa talked a little bit about uh, kind of the formation of our committee on health disparities. Um, but that, you know, the spring and, and in summer of 2020 is when all this work uh, kind of got going when stars aligned for us at IHA. And so when we started our committee on health disparities in July of 2020, one of the first things that we knew we wanted to do was to put forth an assessment uh, or a tool that hospitals could pick up off the shelf to get a sense of um, you know, where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, where their opportunities are in the equity space. And we did our uh, scan of the literature and the tools out there. And there was too much uh, that we saw that went outside the bounds of uh, like real SOGI SDOH. And so we had this ambition of building a, a much more robust health equity assessment that had breadth and depth to it. And we found that um, this is where the stars aligned with Dr. Ansel and Brenda Battle, University of Chicago. Um, We found that they were putting together a really comprehensive equity assessment. And so we got to have a meeting with them. And after that one meeting, I think we all realized, even though we'd never met each other, that 
uh, we're in a ride together um, and we're going to do something pretty cool here. So we leveraged the platform, uh, the infrastructure of IHA. Uh, we leveraged the expertise of these two individuals who've dedicated decades of their lives to this cause. Um, and we ended up with this product that we're really proud of uh, called the Racial Equity and Healthcare. Uh, it's the Racial Equity Progress <laughs> Report. So, um, one of the things that I wanted to kind of mention was the four foundational four different pillars. The first is our people. The second is our patients. The third is our organization. And the fourth is our community. Um, so the, our people pillar focuses really on um, at challenging hospitals and healthcare systems to look in the mirror and evaluate their own boards, their leadership teams, and their employees. And from kind of a representation perspective, say, you know, are we practicing what we're preaching? And are we uh, inclusive? And are we equitable? Do we represent the folks that we serve? Um, the second bucket that we look at is our patients. And that section looks at those that we serve and ask if we have a strong handle on what clinical inequities exist across those populations within our community. And then the third pillar is our organization. So that one emphasizes those internal strategies, policies, and practices that are important to advancing health equity. And that section challenges us to increase kind of our data analytic focus. And that's where we do get into a focus on real SOGI SDOH data. And then finally, we've got a fourth pillar that focuses on our community. And within that pillar, we're saying, what kind of uh, partnerships do we have outside of our four walls that integrate other stakeholders into our equity work, knowing that, um, as you just said, Dr. Jones, before this takes a village and that any work in the equity space that we're doing from a hospital level, a community level has to be done with the community and not to the community. Um, so we've got this assessment that focuses on those four buckets of our people, our patients, our organization, our community. And then we're using that as really the tool to give hospitals a sense of where they stand process-wise within those four buckets, identify some areas of opportunity, and then take some time uh, to work with us or to work internally on improving those processes over time. So we see this assessment as something uh, of a bit of an annual nature that, that hospitals could take, establish a baseline, and then get a sense as the years progress uh, of, of the work that you're doing and how you're moving towards kind of more health, health equitable uh, outcomes. So that's a, a high level, quick overview of, of the progress report. Um, and thus far, we've had over 140 hospitals in the state uh, that have taken that progress report since we launched it. It's one of the things I think, yeah, I think one of the things I think that's unique is that you're an association, right? And so you have a really valuable role as, for lack of a better term, as an aggregator, as a, com uh, a consolidator, as a um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you, you, you can bring folks together. Convener and collaborator. Yeah. yeah. Equal Hope was created in the same way. You know, we, we were established because uh, Rush looked at some, some data and said that black women were dying at a 62% greater rate than white women when diagnosed with breast cancer. And they said, we've been doing this for doing charity work for years and we have not moved the needle. Um, you know, we're doing something wrong. So we need to sort of put our weight behind a collaborative effort that's independent. And Equal Hope was born as the task force and now renamed and rebranded Equal Hope. But what makes us unique is that we are agnostic. I, I'm not trying to make Rush look better. I'm not trying to make Sinai look better. I'm, we're trying to put, you know, find the reason, the causes of these disparities and introducing um, disruptions of the healthcare marketplace to try to drive better health outcomes. 
And and now after 13 years, we've got data that shows that this works. And so I think, you know, the Illinois Health and Hospital Association has a really unique role and has taken a real strong leadership position, um, not advocating for the academic institutions or the safety net or the FQHCs, but advocating for the community in essence uh, and to help drive better outcomes. So, you know, this, I think is a valuable lesson for those around the country that are looking to try to um, improve health outcomes, whether that's in Philadelphia or in, in St. Louis, you know, there's, there's a, there's an approach here that makes sense. And Adam, I, I, I thank you for sharing the four pillars yeah. and you talked about looking in the mirror. That's always a good start is to look in the mirror because at some point we all have blemishes and then sometimes our face just looks clear and it's shining, but we need to start by looking in the mirror and the four pillars you mentioned are a good way to get, to get started. I'd ask, have you seen, um, or what kind of traction have you seen with hospitals, um, engaging with this progress report? Yes. So real briefly, my favorite story thus far from the progress report that we've seen uh, was the safety net hospital coming to us. And before we even got them a data analytic report of what the progress report analytics said about their organization, uh, they said that we've had a conversation with our leadership and we know that our board does not represent the folks that we serve. Uh, It's not even close to a demographic match. So we want to kind of uh, drop three white individuals from our board. And next year, we're going to have individuals that represent the folks that we serve, because we know that from a top-down perspective, we need that voice at the boardroom table. We need that voice to help us ensure that we're creating equitable processes and care. Um, And so to me, I remember getting that phone call and just hearing them talk about it. And I was kind of choked up like, oh man, okay. (laughs) At least like, this is this is driving behavior change. This is driving folks to look at things that matter uh, and to make changes. And so uh, since then, we've had a plethora of, of kind of stories that are similar to that um, and how this tool is kind of helping hospitals move to action. But um, Lisa, I, I'll go ahead and let you jump in there. But I, I wanted to share that story because I feel like that's a great example of yeah. um, of how this tool is, is moving change at, at, at an organizational level for folks. And I would agree with you, Adam, as you said, you got choked. I'm getting choked up because I truly believe it has to start at the top. Yeah. You have to have buy-in at the top. Yeah. I mean, when I heard that story, when I joined, I was, it was actually one of our first meetings. I think Adam, that, that, that came up, um, talking with that hospital, um, I'm here in Chicago and, and hearing them say, you know, the assessment was just a quick look in the mirror. Like we didn't even need to get our analytics. It was the way you asked the question and had us side by side list the demographics of our board, then our senior leadership team, then our frontline staff, then the patients we serve. And just even filling that out was this jarring moment of like, oh my goodness, like we never looked at it this way. And so I think there's that, you know, that first part of like just looking in the mirror. But then I think there's a second part of like, the assessment and the guidance that we provide with it can really help you put some structure around what you're doing. So I know another um, children's hospital um, here in Chicago, you know, they, they have really um, identified with the progress report, which, you know, they talk about it on health equity action day um, and our big uh, virtual event. So I'll just go ahead and share, you know, Lurie children's 
has, you know, really embraced the four pillars of what we're doing. And so that really lined up nicely with a time where they had a new chief DEI officer come in. And those four pillars were, were instrumental in helping them figure out not only their strategic vision for DEI work and, you know, health equity, but just kind of their strategic vision overall for the hospital. So um, a little plug that we do have a health equity action day that took place the last two years. They are available online, but within that we, we did feature four different pillar stories that talked about what hospitals are doing um, in those four areas, you know, that our people, our organization, our patients, our community to advance health equity. And, you know, both showed like a mini documentary of, of the work they're doing. But then we had a panel discussion to have real talk, kind of like this, like, how did that go? How did you get started? What were the barriers? What advice do you have for other people? Because it it wasn't always smooth sailing and it wasn't just like, we're going to do this and, and here we go. So Lurie Children's, um, a team from there, you know, talks a lot about their journey um, on implementing new learning and development initiatives around EDI, implicit bias, how it really started from within. So I think, you know, we have that example of starting from the top um, and how that works, but then with they really took the approach of like, this needs to start within our organization and permeate every level of staff. We can't have our frontline staff being ill-prepared to go into exam rooms and talk to patients and families or in the community and and have that, you know, cultural sensitivity and that awareness. But then, you know, they also talked about just that flip side, right? Sometimes employees face discrimination, employees might face different situations and how could Lurie um, children support their people in that. So I think those are just two examples of ways that, you know, we've seen this gain, gain traction, but like I said, we have, you know, a little over 200 hospitals across Illinois that we represent. Last year, we had nearly 140 um, submit data, which is huge. I think for something just starting, that is a really strong start, um, especially with what we've seen on hospitals plates. You know, we have been in a pandemic. Um, <laughs> if no one noticed, it's been very hard on hospitals, huge hits on revenue, extreme staffing shortages. There's no um, lack of excuses that anyone might have for not being able to do this right now or really focus on it. But we saw a huge turnout of people saying we need to prioritize this anyways. So um, we rolled out again this spring, summer with our second year of the progress report, and we are already seeing, I think the last time I checked, there were 60 um, progress reports um, submitted or in progress on our website um, from across the state, which they still got time to go. And we know a lot of people like to turn things in right before the deadline. So good to see that second year still off and running. Um, you know, we recently talked to the health, the committee on health disparities last week. We're talking to our board tomorrow, and we've just heard overwhelmingly that this is a tool we support. This is something that we we really want to to keep pushing forward and seeing how it can help guide our hospitals. Wow, um, Lisa and Adam, let me say this is this is all super impressive, and I am eagerly watching, waiting, and hopefully participating. And what's the next step? Where do you go from here? Good question, yeah. Yeah, so Lisa, I'll take a quick stab at that one first. And, you know, let me start with Dr. Jones kind of framing too that, you know, when we were building this out a couple of years ago, we wanted to be clear around the fact that we didn't want to just create another dashboard or report that folks would get. And then it would just sit on the shelf and not have action driven behind it. So we're really purposeful about building the scaffolding of having um, learning collaboratives, kind of peer-to-peer -peer learning collaboratives, 
what we call equity charters, uh, and then implementation playbooks that dovetail the progress report. Um, so after an organization takes the assessment, gets their data back, we've got those kind of three levers that we're pushing towards hospitals that'll drive them to action. So the learning collaboratives uh, are eight-week engagements uh, that Lisa and I run, and any hospital who's filled out the progress report can come to those. And then over the course of that eight weeks, uh, you work with your peers, and we're doing this through Zoom, um, and it's kind of a series of, of human-centered design processes where we're breaking down your scores, identifying areas that you need to focus on, and then helping build out like a really prescriptive and robust implementation plan of how you're going to move to action. So it's kind of giving that uh, strategic um, influence from IHA to help many of these folks because, you know, a lot of the folks we're working with aren't, um, you know, quality improvement project managers. Uh, they're DEI folks who are jumping into this work and they're like, okay, I've not really maybe been in this space where I'm kind of moving towards strategic action and putting something up that the board needs to approve and that that I need to operationalize and I need to track with data. And so we're trying to help them take that data and translate it into action through the learning collaboratives. And then at the culmination of those learning collaboratives, uh, each hospital ends up with this beautiful one-pager that we're calling a racial equity charter. And that's kind of their uh, their statement, their stake in the ground that says, this is what we're going to focus on over the course of the next six months, the next year, supplier diversity, board diversity, uh, enhancing their data collection, auditing of real or SOGI data, things like that. Um, and then we have this nice implementation playbook that if organizations don't have the time to dedicate FTEs and resources to an eight-week learning collaborative, they can pick up the playbook and have uh, kind of that same scaffolding and learning that we put forth in the collaborative um, so they can create their own kind of action plans and translate that data into action at, at a more local level. And so we, we think those things are, are super important. Um, and integrating them alongside the progress report. Um, and we've we've had now, uh, we're about to launch our third learning collaborative um, in, in just a couple of weeks. Uh, but insofar as next steps, uh, we're kind of seeing that evolution of the progress report kind of year after year, and then hospitals engaging in these action plans for us. Um, because those, those equity charters, those one-pagers are going to be critical for us as a state association. So we can get a sense of the good work that is happening in the state, what we're focusing on, and then more at a macro level say, okay, like we're seeing a lot of charters uh, on this particular topic. Maybe we need to infuse more resources or focus in these areas because these are areas that our members are struggling with. So it's kind of a, a beautiful symbiotic like relationship there of getting a lot of local change and having hospitals spur to action at the organizational level. But then it's also informing us as a state association of some of those more macro trends that we need to be looking out for or need to be flagging uh, with our legislators for, for more resources from a statewide perspective. So that's kind of a, a little bit deeper dive into, uh, you know, the arm of action that we have attached to the progress report and the assessment itself. Yeah. Well, you mentioned playbook and going from the playbook to action. And as a football fan, <laughs> I am rooting that these the hospitals that are using that playbook, putting it into action, that we'll have a lot of Super Bowl winning hospitals. Like All that. right. That's that's the goal here. 
Lombardi trophies. I there, like you that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, and, that, that is so impressive. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was about to say, feel free to cut this next part out. <laughs> but I just have to say that I just have chills thinking about kind of how this all comes together. And this is a bit of a, a personal anecdote. But um, before coming to IHA, I actually worked at Rush. And my first initiative at Rush was birth equity, maternal mortality, working on that. And my role there was really to take our teams through what we called A3 thinking. So that design process of strategic planning of, you know, what are we trying to solve? How are we going to do it? And and really trying to get that off the ground and and a priority right within our walls there, because we all knew it was something, but we really needed that rigor and that playbook and the action plan behind it. For me, that work um, got paused because, again, Mm COVID-19 started and we were like, all right, we're only working on COVID right now, the whole hospital. But, you know, now here talking with you, Dr. Jones, you know, leading birth equity work, leading maternal mortality for the hospital, us now using that same design thinking, strategic planning approach with hospitals overall for any problem, whether it's birth equity or it is diversifying your board or rolling out implicit bias training, it just really kind of all comes full circle. And now to, to Adam's point, we can use that to advocate on behalf of our hospital. So we can use that as a tool to say, look what everyone's working on, look at the great things they're putting into motion and then help inform what we're we're doing next. So I just had all these thoughts of, it's all kind of coming together, all full circle <laughs> with everyone on this call. And I just had to share. Well, it is just really impressive though, that the the IHA has been able to sort of position itself where you have in this discussion and really become an incredibly valuable resource for the hospitals and FQHCs across the state and to be able to provide the support that you that you are. Um, I, I think it's one of the unique things about uh, this area that and the only way we're going to improve these things is if we take a, a multi-faceted uh, approach to understanding and mm-hmm. to addressing these. It can't be a particular hospital. It can't be the pharmaceutical company. It can't be medical manufacturers. It has to be everybody involved looking at this and looking at the data. And 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 quality improvement is such an important variable. You know, one of the things that led to the creation of Equal Hope was a, a, a realization that quality varies. Right? It varies from hospital to hospital. It varies from office to office. It varies from machine to machine. And it varies from radiologist to radiologist. And so, you know, rather not pointing fingers at someone, but instead, how do you identify uh, the need for improvements and how do you implement changes to bring about better health outcomes in a way that's not punitive, but is illustrative and and supportive. And uh, that was, you know, in in some sense, the DNA uh, upon which uh, Equal Hope was was established. Um, So, you know, it's it's it doesn't surprise me now that I've heard and learned a little bit more about IHA that you were one of our earliest supporters and have been one of our strongest supporters throughout our 13 or 14 year history. We share some DNA. Well, we we are coming to a close here and uh, I want to offer you both an opportunity. Is there anything you'd like to share with the Equal Hope audience? Um, you know, we we will continue to be supportive and uh, and a part of uh, your outreach, but I would love to just give you the microphone and uh, have a couple minutes to share anything, any final thoughts you have with our audience. Yeah, I can jump in first um, and just say, keep doing what you're doing. I think Equal Hope has been such an inspiration 
between how you guys do social media, how you do events for the community, how you bring people together, and just the fact of how you got started. Obviously, I have I have love for Rush, um, you know, yeah. coming from there, but just the fact that this was was born from a quality improvement initiative within the walls of a hospital and then really became its own thing that is now championing women's health and and closing those disparities. So um, to me, it's, you know, a story that I've loved to share with other hospitals now and in my position at IHA. Now that we're, you know, talking with people all over the spectrum and their health equity journeys of, you know, where do we get started? And I think just seeing how how Equal Hope has come to be is an inspiring story in itself and a lesson, I think, for other hospitals to to go in on those ideas, go big, right? They don't need to be small projects. They can have their own legs under them and then they can continue on their own. And I think there's a lot of different ventures like that that have happened that have been super inspiring. Um, But on the other side of it, I will say that if anyone listening today is, is interested in learning more about what IHA is doing, we have a very robust website, um, and that's um, team-iha.org. Um, there's a lot of IHAs out there, so we had to throw the team in. Um, and we have a whole health disparities resource page. We have different information on um, work that hospitals have done, different resource guides that we've put out um, over the past few years, and we'll continue to build that. And then again, um, our email address for all health equity things would be healthequity at team-iha.org. And um, I am on that email box all the time. If there's anything that people just want to know about or let us know about happening, both in the community um, in the community space or in the hospital space, we're, we're happy to get involved and learn more to see how we can help. Adam? Thanks, John and Dr. Jones. I got three things real quick. First and foremost, I want to echo some of Lisa's comments around Equal Hope. Thank you guys for uh, letting us be guests today. Uh, and secondly, what you know resonates with me is that this isn't just like our assessment isn't just this dashboard. Um, Equal Hope is not just this podcast that's generating all this great stuff. You guys are moving health outcomes. Um, that the the drop in mortality rate by twenty percent that you cited before, and all the work you've done on the collaborative effort front with other providers is is amazing. So I, I love being able to be here as a guest of you guys because I know uh, the action and the work that you're doing on the ground that that really matters to to the folks that we serve. So um, thank you for for this platform and for the work that you guys have done. Uh, second thing I want to mention too uh, is just highlighting where we're at in this space and knowing that we're at this space of, of innovation. And I kind of mentioned you know, Caudi or Clebsy checklists before. And we've gotten some of these clinical outcomes down to, you know, a, a checklist that is known universally. And we know that we are like so far away from getting to that in the equity space, um, but it's going to take more than just our progress report. There's AHA has an amazing tool out there, an equity roadmap. Uh, there's others that are coming out. And so I think this is just a really exciting point in time um, to be tackling an issue that is more critical than any of the other issues that we're dealing with as a society or within healthcare. Um, and I think Lisa and I are both privileged to to just feel like we're doing this work and, and the stars are aligning and we're at the right place at the right time. And so um, we're going to continue to evolve this work and push it forward, but just uh, would advocate um, 
for everyone to just realize where we're at and to be innovative, take steps forward, do whatever action you can that practically and pragmatically is going to move equity closer to the the goal that you want in your communities. Um, and then lastly, you know, we have a great opportunity, thanks in large part, again, to Dr. Ansel and Brenda Battle uh, of having this uh grant through the Commonwealth Fund to really test, scale, and disseminate this progress report outside of the borders of Illinois. Um, And so I'm from central Illinois, and we have that saying that's, does it play in Peoria? Uh, And I think we're seeing that this progress report plays really well in Illinois. You know, we've we've got the evidence behind that. Almost 70% of the hospitals who have taken it, we're moving them to action. But now I want to see what New York thinks uh, and what Tennessee thinks and what Arizona, Pennsylvania think. And so we've got this awesome opportunity uh, to scale this outside of our borders. Uh, We'll be doing so. And so I would encourage folks that are listening to this to reach out to to Lisa or myself if you have any interest in engaging in this progress report and the playbook or the collaboratives. Um, because we're going to continue those opportunities through IHA for all of our Illinois members. But uh, we do have hope that this is going to be a tool that will be scaled um, uh, hopefully in the next couple of years outside of the borders of Illinois for other hospitals to take advantage of too. But again, just thank you guys for the opportunity to share our story. Absolutely. We, uh, we're we really grateful for both your time, Adam and Lisa and Dr. Jones. As always, it's a pleasure to share this platform with you. I appreciate you making time for this in your Uh, crazy hectic schedule. Um, With that said, we're going to conclude here now, but uh, there will be a follow-up down the road. We'll we'll have more to talk about as we move forward. But uh, for right now, Lisa and Adam, thank you so much for making the time and uh, have a wonderful afternoon. We will be in touch soon. Thank you. Thank you. you.